Let's jump right into this thing. Welcome everybody to episode 32 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. And we're going to start things off this week with a little bit of Major League Baseball preview. Darren and Andrew with you. And Andrew's not a big baseball guy, so we don't do a lot of baseball with him on the show. But going to get his thoughts on the World Series. We are recording early this week, so we can get this in before the games actually start recording here on Tuesday night. Just watching the teams get warmed up for game one. And also a quick reminder, if I sound a little bit different this week, trying out a new microphone that hopefully will work better, sound better, and not fall apart on me halfway through every podcast. So going to be tinkering with that, but hopefully it works out. I spent the money that it should work out. But the World Series this year, to me, it's basically going to kind of come down to an offensive team versus a defensive team. I think you have two radically different styles here in the Astros and the Braves. A quick refresher, the Braves got here, your National League pennant winners, taking down the Brewers in round one, and then taking down the Dodgers, the mighty, mighty Dodgers, my pick to win it all in the NLCS. So congratulations to the Braves making their first World Series since 1999 when they ran into the Yankees dynasty. And on the other side, you have the Astros, who got here by taking down the Red Sox in the CS and taking down my beloved White Sox, or at least my beloved in the playoffs, White Sox, in the ALDS. So White Sox, then Red Sox, taking down all the Sox. But I think they're facing a different beast in this Braves team. And I have been a little critical on the Braves earlier in the year. I didn't think they would get this far. I was not all that impressed with them throughout the season. It was, to me, it felt more like somebody had to win the East and they were just doing enough to stay above water in the NL East. But they have caught fire in the playoffs. And you can talk about peaking at the right time. This team seems really to have built to this point. And they are doing it with defense. And that's one thing that I think you're really going to have the advantage here with them. I believe seven of their 10 playoff games... They've given up fewer than three runs. Uh, some wins, some losses mixed in there, but the moral of the story is a fantastic defense and the pitching. I think you have to give the pitching advantage here to Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, and Max Freed. Those are going to be your top three arms going for the Braves. Plus, you add Will Smith, probably the best closer in the playoffs, one of the best closers the entire season. I think he's the, he's the best man out of the bullpen in this entire series. Plus, you have Tyler Matzik to set up or could maybe close out games if you need him to. But the Braves, this defensive side, and then you add in this phenomenal infield of Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, and Dansby Swanson. That is as good as you're going to find in Major League Baseball. Freddie Freeman, a former MVP, really the straw that serves the drink for this team. A lot of people concerned that they don't have Ronald Acuna Jr. How are they doing this without Acuna? Acuna may be the future the next 10 years of this franchise, but Freddie Freeman is right now another one of those underrated, unheralded MLB players who just never gets enough attention. But one of the best in the league, and he's really peaking at the right time, guiding this team. You ought to uh, add in some good talent in the outfield as well with Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, and Adam Duvall. So you've got some experience out there. And then a guy, Eddie Rosario, who I will admit I did not know much about, but he is having himself a postseason. He at 420 about a 426 average uh, right up there towards the top in every statistical category for this team. So watch out for Eddie Rosario. That may be a new name if you haven't watched a lot of baseball at all or a lot of Braves baseball. Eddie Rosario is really having a breakout postseason. And on the other side for the Astros, have a, a guy breaking out in his own way. Jordan Alvarez, I think, is really going to be the, the difference maker for the Astros in this one. You have a team. You've got the usual suspects. Correa, Bregman, Brantley, Altuve. I think Gurriel's going to be in that class now. You, you know who the Astros have. This is their third trip to the World Series in the last five years. And not often do the Braves get to be the team that everybody cheers for. It's weird to think of Atlanta being a small market, the little engine that could team, but the Astros are going to be so reviled that nobody wants to cheer for them. But anyway, you've got this, this juggernaut that they've built in the last couple of years, and we kind of thought maybe, okay, if the cheating's done and they lost a lot of the people who were in charge, they may fall down a little bit, but they keep right on moving, developing guys, making the right acquisitions, keeping this roster strong. It's been amazing what they've done, and Jordan Alvarez is the latest guy in that pipeline had a I believe he was the MVP of the ALCS and he looks primed to be going here uh, having a wonderful World Series in front of him I am concerned about the Astros this is where I have to give the advantage to the Braves the Braves did get rocked I believe really one game by the Dodgers but if you can shut down the Dodgers I think you can shut down the Astros I'm not sure the Astros pitching can shut down the Braves hitters the Braves are more moderate hitters but I still think they have the big guns that they can they can show up when they need to at least get in three or four runs, which may be all you need with that defense. These kind of four to three, four to two games may be what we can expect in this World Series. 
So that's where I give the advantage to the Braves. The Astros, uh, without Lance McCullers, uh, we already know Zach Greinke is going to be down for them. So I just don't know that the Astros have the arms. But that's just my quick introductory two cents. We'll debate this a little bit more. I want to get Andrew in here to get his thoughts on what he's watched for the postseason and his look into the World Series. I really, I really, really thought the uh, White Sox were going to beat the Astros. Um, to be quite honest, I didn't see the Astros making it out of the first round, so I'm really surprised that they're here. And honestly, the Dodgers were heavy, heavy favorites, um, so it was very surprising to me to see them lose. I watched that Dodgers Giants series that I thought was epic. Um, we had a couple hundred win teams going at it. That was a great series, but yeah, I think I'll be all in on the Braves. As, as we all should be, we should all collectively cheer for the Braves too. They only went 88 and 73. So for a postseason team, a relatively pedestrian regular season, they only got in because the rest of the AL East was not great. I think we expected a lot more out of the Braves and the Phillies. Uh, to make it more of a postseason. And I'm, I'm with you. I had the White Sox beating the Astros. I had the White Sox going to the World Series and losing to the Dodgers. So it shows you what I know. But I thought they would take down the Astros. And then between the Red Sox and Astros, I didn't really have a real rooting interest, but I went Red Sox. So the Astros took down both colors of Sox. And then the, uh, as a reminder, the Braves took down the Brewers and the Dodgers. So both of these teams really earned their trips here. Some fantastic series and really impressive as much as, as I will never ever cheer for the Astros again. You know, they've they've really earned their spot here. Now everybody's going to be watching every inch of that stadium. I know there was questions about a whistle in at least one of the games in the Red Sox series. People were looking at stuff. You know, Major League Baseball doesn't want anything. They're going to be all over this. I don't I don't know what's gone on or if we know, but all the scrutiny, all the eyes, all the cameras, everything that MLB can do, the Astros are going to be so scrutinized and every possible corner they can cut. Major League Baseball is going to be on the lookout for it. Plus, I think it's going to be fun to watch some of these games on TV and just hear the collective booing of America living vicariously through the Atlanta Braves when those games are away from Houston. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. I don't know too much about the whistle situation. I, I may have heard a little bit about that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Astros are cheating again. I don't have any concrete proof, but uh, it uh, it seems suspicious. And uh, how about them beating up on their old manager, Alex Cora, uh, with the Red Sox now? Uh, maybe that was a little bit strange to see them beat up on Alex Cora, who I've heard is one of the better managers in baseball. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bill Simmons. I don't know if you listen to him at all, but he's a major Boston right. Boston guy. So he was talking up Alex Cora and the Boston Red Sox. I thought for a little while that maybe uh, the Red Sox were just a team of destiny with uh, some of the ways that they pulled it out in the postseason to get to the ALCS, but uh, apparently it wasn't meant to be. And another quick note here, you have the Astros who are in their third World Series in the last five years. And then you have the Braves who have not been in since 1999. They, I believe, lost that Yankees dynasty of the around the turn of the century. But if you're like us and you were a kid of the 80s or 90s, you remember the Braves being one of the best teams in baseball. It's weird to think that it's been that long since they've been to the World Series because I think they won their division something like 16 straight years. And then that, that mid to late 90s run with uh, Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, and Tom Glavin, one of the one of the great baseball eras that I vaguely remember from my youth. Yeah, um, I do remember that in my youth. And hey, don't forget about uh, John Rocker. Oh yes, uh, just an absolute crazy man. But uh, yeah, uh, Tom Glavin—that's a heck of a name. I believe the first baseball glove mm -hmm. I ever owned actually had like it wasn't actually signed by Tom Glavin, but it was a cheap knockoff that had like Tom Glavin's name on it. Uh, so that's, that's my memory of Tom Glavin. And then obviously Greg Maddox, former cub, but great with the Braves too. Yeah. That's probably the best man. Is that probably the best three starting pitcher lineup of all time right there with, with Maddox Smoltz and, and Glavin. I mean, it's, it's gotta be up there. Yeah. So and then Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones, right. uh, obviously, uh, those guys were just slugging it out. So 
those Braves teams of the nineties were just absolutely dominant. So I'm not saying that that's back for Atlanta, but it would be cool to see the Braves be uh, back in contention. They're obviously in contention this year, but if they could continue contending, it'd be uh, it'd be a nice flashback to the nineties. Is there a more hated franchise in American sports right now than the Astros? It, I like nobody hates a hockey team. I can't think of a basketball team. You know, I don't think people hate the Warriors quite as much or the Lakers. I don't think the Nets are quite on that level. Yes, I hate Alabama and Ohio State college football. I know in the NFL, who's the NFL? I think Patriots or Cowboys are probably the most collectively hated. But really, just like a, a unifying lightning rod of hate. Is there any team other than the Astros? I think they're even kind of surpassing the Yankees just because everybody's so upset over how they won their World Series just to go from this little engine that could, this tiny franchise that was terrible for so long, how much of a great Cinderella story it was. Is, is there a team that's more detestable right now than the Astros? No, I think you're, you're spot on. The most detestable team is definitely the Houston Astros with the way that they won. Uh, some other team would have to do something really bad to kind of top that. Um not maybe not cheating, but uh, something else in combination with cheating. Um, you know, like a like a Baylor situation. Baylor had yeah. some issues um, with their program for a while under Art Bryles, and they weren't particularly well liked for that. Um, it'd have to be that kind of a situation to really top what uh, how much people hate the Astros. So. You're spot on. Most detestable franchise in all professional sports, for sure. So with that being said, go Braves. For final prediction, I'll go the Braves in six. I'll go Braves in five. Um, yeah, Braves in five. For that, for the defense and the pitching, I think that's going to be the difference. So for a reminder, we uh, postseason is two, three, two. So we have two in Houston three in Atlanta, and then two back in Houston because Houston is the better record team between the two. And it's actually on Fox. Thank you, Major League Baseball. I can finally watch these games, putting them on FS1 and TBS or wherever obscure channels they were on. Thank you. I can finally watch these games without having to leave my couch. Yeah, that's that's terrible. They put the Major League Baseball playoffs on channels like FS1 and TBS. That should be on national TV uh, where everyone can watch it. I know a lot of people have cable. Um, or YouTube TV or whatever you have, but there's a lot of people that don't. And that's just really an overall problem with baseball that we could get into at a later date where they do a lot of weird TV things that doesn't help grow the game. Um, I think baseball is really behind in that regard. It's We say it's America's favorite pastime, but I, I'm not sure that it is because of the way that uh, – it's decreased in popularity, I think, over the years. I think it really peaked in the in the nineties, the two thousands, uh, but it's it's really waned in popularity. But that's that's another subject for another day. America's favorite pastime to black out in selected markets. Amen. Amen. I'd be more into baseball, I think, if uh the blackout rules here in Iowa weren't so uh, restrictive. It's really hard to watch local teams here in Iowa because of blackout rules. Well, as you say, we'll save that for another day, but for now, I have an NFL game for you. Ooh, give it to me. So, we're going to try to move through this a little rapidly, try to keep it from taking the entire hour. But I was looking at the current quarterback situations in the NFL. And I think you could make an argument that about half the teams in the NFL could justifiably have a new quarterback next year. So you don't necessarily have to give me the new quarterback unless you have it in front of you. If you have a list of current quarterbacks, free agent quarterbacks, draftable quarterbacks, or you just know them off the top of your head, as if anybody did, I suspect it would be you. But looking at the teams who need quarterbacks, you can tell me, yes, they need a quarterback. Maybe they need a quarterback or they're good for at least one more year. All right. Okay. So we're going to start here with the obvious, Houston Texans. And we're not going to get into any serious stuff here, just Houston Texans. Yep, they need a quarterback. They'll be high up in the draft order, and they'll be drafting a quarterback. Um, So I think that's where they're going with their first-round pick, and they need it. You're going Matt Corral? 
Matt Corral? Uh, maybe not. Uh, it could be a guy like Kenny Pickett. It could be a guy like uh, Malik Willis. We'll see what route they go. But uh, definitely a first-round quarterback for the Houston Texans. And a team that has been very much tied to the Texans, Miami Dolphins. Do they stick with Tua? Do they make a trade? Do they go in the draft? I think they're making a trade, and it's going to be with that Houston Texans franchise, and it may involve hmm, – that's interesting. That's an interesting question because the Houston Texans, I just said they're drafting a quarterback. I guess their other option is that they could trade for Tua. Um, I think – but I'm not sure that Tua is a franchise quarterback – Really interesting question there. I think, I think the Miami Dolphins stick it out a, a full another year with with Tua. I would like to go another route if I'm Miami, but I'm not sure that they they can or that they should at this point. One more year, I think. I think we got to see year three with Tua. So I'm going to say no. They didn't. They do not need a quarterback. That's not the problem with that team. It's- I finally found somebody who agrees with me. I would, I definitely need to see this whole year on Tua and maybe one more year before I completely jump ship. All right. Speaking of teams, maybe making rash decisions, Carolina Panthers, are you sticking with Sam Darnold? Are you like me? Who's a huge Sam Darnold fan and apologist. He will become a free agent in 2023. They did trade three mid to late round picks for him to the Jets, Carolina Panthers. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, Sam Darnold had me fooled through the first few games there where he was playing well. And he just got benched against the Giants for P.J. Walker. Yeah, Carolina needs a quarterback. Sam Darnold's not the answer. He'll be a nice, high-quality backup. Um, I don't don't think uh, it's working out for old Sam in Carolina, so... If uh, I'm Carolina, depending on where I'm at in the draft, maybe I'm thinking about trading for Deshaun Watson, possibly. I'm I'm making a move up for a quarterback, uh, possibly, in next year's draft if I, if I like one. Or if not, Deshaun Watson may be a, a Carolina Panther. So I just don't think Sam Darnold's the answer. If they got to write it out another year with Sam Darnold, I I mean, that'd be okay if you don't like anybody that's in the draft this year. If you don't like any of your options in free agency and you don't want to trade for Deshaun Watson, obviously you're stuck. But uh, Sam Darnold's not the answer, so they do need a quarterback. Team number four, Pittsburgh Steelers. Unequivocally, yes. I've seen Big Ben play this year. Um, It's it's beyond time. yeah, it's it's time. So I'm not sure Big Ben's just good enough to keep them from being so bad that they're going to be high enough to draft um, one of the top-tier rookie quarterbacks next year. They're going to be – the Steelers are going to be a borderline top-10 pick, um, but they're really going to be in that 10 to 15 range where – they're going to have to get lucky with someone dropping down that they really like, but they, I think they need a quarterback. Now, one of the rumors I've heard on them is they would be pretty high in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, which seems weird to me because all signs are pointing to him wanting to go West. We get that if you were to leave and they were to work out a trade, it would be to the AFC. But the talk was always, well, the Raiders or maybe the Rams or not Rams, the Chargers. But now there's talk about Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh feels like a weird one to go back to the draft. They seem like a win now team if they get the quarterback right. That's the, when they brought up Aaron Rodgers. That made me wonder what about Russell Wilson? You know, these some of these more established guys if they're around the move. Not a huge free agent quarterback class next year for big name guys from what I can see. But I wonder if one of those two guys would be in a trade situation. Well, I think the chances of a Rodgers trade to Pittsburgh are very low. Um, honestly, from recent developments, I think the chances of a Ro- of Rogers leaving green Bay 
are much lower than they were before the season. Um, so I, I like what you just brought up there at the end, a possible Russell Wilson trade. I don't know if the Steelers would do it. I don't know if the Seahawks would do it, but I think that'd be a, a phenomenal trade. There's still a lot of problems with that Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line um, that even if they did get a guy like Russell Wilson, it'd be, it'd be almost a lot of the same issues that uh, he has out in Seattle where the offensive line really struggles to protect him. He's got good weapons, but he can't do a whole lot with it because of the offensive line protection issues. And then the defense in Seattle is just, it's horrendous. Um, it's a little bit better in Pittsburgh, but uh, not a whole lot better. So it, it'd be an interesting trade an interesting scenario. Definitely be an upgrade from big Ben. That's for sure. But I, I don't see them as an Aaron Rodgers candidate. So far, you're four for four. There's going to be a lot of new quarterbacks and new places next year. Yeah. Which, number five, I think maybe the first one that caused some debate. Cleveland Browns. You've got Baker Mayfield signed through, uh, he'll be a free agent in 2023. You could have two more years with him. The question is, do they resign him? Do they give him a huge rookie deal? What do you do if you are the Cleveland Browns? Hmm. Yeah, I'm probably sticking it out with Baker. Um, I really like the formula that they got there, um, which is similar to what the Cowboys did with building up an offensive line. They've got two good running backs. They've got a couple of good receivers, a couple of good tight ends. They've really built up that defense. I know that this Browns team is in win now mode, but, uh, yeah, I don't think they're they're not going to be trading for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Neither one of those guys want to go there. They aren't going to take a risk on Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't I don't really see an obvious trade there. I don't know how high you re up Baker Mayfield, but I think you stick with Baker Mayfield um, because there's not a lot of other appealing options out there in free agency. So. I think this team, this team has the goods to win. Um, whether or not Baker Mayfield is that guy, that's a whole, that's a whole other story. But is he a, is a, a capable and quality NFL starter? Yeah, I think so. You can get to the playoffs with Baker Mayfield, maybe if you can't win at all, but you can get to the playoffs. You can even win a game with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. So, yeah, I say no. And I think that's something else interesting to point out. Unless somebody ends up you know, spoiling a future topic here, but let's say somebody like a Matt Ryan opts out of Atlanta. There's really not a lot of huge names out there unless you know Rodgers or Russell Wilson decide they're done and force their way out or Matt Ryan, something like that happens. These are currently the highest paid quarterbacks that will be free agents next year. Big Ben. Taysom Hill, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Terod Taylor, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, Marcus Mariota. Now, of those guys, how many are you building a team around in 2022? Is Does Jameis have rehabilitation year in the Saints? We have them coming up on the list. Maybe we just get that out of the way now. Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota gets a second chance. I'm not seeing a whole lot of huge names that you really trust. And then this draft all we hear about is this is not a great quarterback draft class. Now, maybe, like you mentioned, a uh, Malik Willis or a Desmond Ritter or a Matt Corral, Keaton Slovis, one of these guys really rises up. I think every draft produces at least one star quarterback, but there's going to be a lot of people fighting for very few quarterback talents. So you hear people say, oh, it's easy, just cut bait with Baker Mayfield. Well, is anybody out there better than what you have in Baker right now? Yeah, listing off those free agents, listing off those rookie quarterbacks, the answer is is unequivocally no. So I think you just continue to stick with Baker. Um, I'm not saying that they re-up him to a mega deal or anything of that nature. I definitely don't think they should do that. I don't think they should commit to him as a franchise quarterback long-term. If they could do like a more short-term deal that has a lot of non-guaranteed money, that would be 
ideal. I think they can kind of punt the decision, kick the kick the can down the road on what they're going to do long-term with Baker Mayfield. I know that's not what Baker Mayfield will want or what his agent will want, but if they could kick the can down the road on that decision, that'd be, that'd be ideal for them because you're right. There's not a lot of great replacement options. So I think you stick with what you got. One that I, maybe I'm reaching a little bit, the Indianapolis Colts. You've got Carson Wentz there signed through 2022. He seems healthy, question mark, so far this year. Yeah, no. Um, I think I think they need a quarterback. Um, they may end up having to roll with Carson Wentz through next season, and that's fine, but I definitely think they should be eyeing a quarterback in the draft. Uh, so that's that's exactly what I'd be doing if I'm Indy is looking at quarterbacks in the draft. It may not be a first-round option. It may be a guy who slides down to that second round or that third round that they take, and I would uh, I would 100% do that. I've seen Wentz play. It's – yeah, he's done. Um, he, he should be a backup, so – yeah, he's he's an interesting one. I thought reuniting with Frank Reich would spark something, and now that we're halfway through the season, I think you have a little bit better idea knowing what you have. But, yeah, he is way down low 20s in yards per game and yards. Not many interceptions, so good for him on that front. But, yeah, a lot of questions there. Uh, I'm going to kind of lump a couple teams together here. The Saints, the Broncos, you know what? Just let's start with those two. The Saints and the Broncos, I think, kind of similar situations. Veteran quarterbacks on one-year deals, uh, kind of prove-it years. Both teams are kind of middle of the pack right now. So where do you see Denver and New Orleans? Can you give any of these guys a long-term deal? Mm, nope, not a long-term deal. Uh, I would definitely bring Jameis and uh, Teddy in both of those situations back on a short-term deal because I think, again – both these teams are kind of middle of the pack, middle of the pack teams to where they're not going to be high enough to get a generational talent. Um, Broncos have been talked about a lot in their Rogers trade. I don't think that's happening. Um, the saints, again, they're not good enough to get a, could be a Russell Wilson landing spot in new Orleans. If they want to try to pull that off. Um, but I don't think so. I think it's, it's more of just re up another year with Teddy, another year with Jameis and in, in both of those spots. So I'm not confident about it. I don't like it, but I think that's what they're going to be rolling with next year too. The New York football giants side note. I do that because I hate when people do it. So the New York giants, you got Danny Dimes. He's still your quarterback. You got one more year with him from his rookie contract. Mm, I'm, I'm drafting a quarterback. It's a little bit like Sam Darnold. I just, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. So uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for playing, Danny Dimes. <laughs> and uh, I'm drafting the QB and uh, moving on. I'm a firm believer in that we move off a lot of these guys too fast. I think you need three years of really good time to develop and become a quarterback. But then when you have guys like Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, these guys who are studs in their first or second year, it's like, oh, okay. Now that now that the bar's been raised to this level, it's harder to really be patient. I still think still think you need to give guys maybe two and a half to three years, but I agree with you. I think you know what you have in Daniel Jones. Not be shocked to see a new quarterback under center. Giants also feel like one of those teams who could go get one of those free agent veterans to kind of be a bridge quarterback for a year. feels like another Terod Taylor spot somewhere for him to go and get the next guy ready as this become his role. Yeah, they're, they're a good candidate for a stopgap if they don't like any of their uh, rookie options. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that because I think that's, that's what you got to do because I think they still have um, – they still have more to invest in an offensive line. So if they could solidify that through the draft or maybe give a better defense 
uh, to a new quarterback when they finally do find a quarterback that they really like. I think a lot of a lot of teams reach on quarterbacks in the first round, and they don't really set them up for success. So I'm a big fan of the uh, Cleveland Browns model, the Dallas Cowboys model of build up everything but the quarterback and then find the quarterback and give them a chance of success. So I think that's what the Giants got to do. And two more teams, if you're wondering why the Cowboys win their division so easily or look like they'll win it. I've got the Eagles and the WFTs on here. Two very different situations. The Eagles, you've got Jalen Hurts, but do you believe in him? Do you want to stick with him? And Washington, who kind of is just throwing out whoever they have. Taylor Heineke's done a decent job, but I don't think he's your long-term answer. So we'll just cover the NFC least in bulk. Eagles and Washington. Eagles, no. I'm comfortable rolling with Jalen Hurts for one, even two years. I'm comfortable rolling with Hurts through the end of his rookie deal. Um, He's doing all right this year. It's a little bit of a situation of the talent around him isn't so great, but I think he's actually made the most of it, and he's actually been a lot better than what what I thought he would be this year. Uh, if you look at his stats, he's he's 61% completion, 1,700 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, four picks, uh, five rushing touchdowns, about 400 rushing yards. Uh, those numbers are – he's got the same amount of passing touchdowns as uh, Lamar Jackson and one less interception. Uh, it's just the team around him is not so good. Again, so I, I think uh, Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he's a franchise or a superstar quarterback, but I feel comfortable with him. And then Washington football team, yeah, seen enough of Heineke to know he's not the answer. Um, I, I think Fitzpatrick would have been the starter for the whole year, but obviously he got hurt. So, yeah, I don't think uh, – I think Washington will be drafting a quarterback this year. The Detroit Lions. Absolutely, yes. They're going to roll with Jared Goff because um, for this year, but uh, I think they'll be drafting the quarterback. Yeah, and they have him through 2023. They can get out of it. So a couple years less left with him, and I don't – maybe it's a swallow your pride kind of thing, but I feel like it would look pretty bad if you gave up on him right after you got him for as well as Matt Stafford's doing with the Rams, for you to just say you give up on golf halfway through his first season. I can't imagine that would reflect too well on Detroit. I think you need to give him a little bit more time, but I would not be shocked. If this, if this were a deeper quarterback class, otherwise they need to make a move, which I don't think the Lions are afraid to make a move in the draft, you know, foolhardy or not. Right, exactly. So I think uh... – I don't think it looks that bad because I think uh, everybody knew that Jared Goff was kind of just a throw in on that deal that the Lions made. And um, I don't think Detroit made that deal thinking that Jared Goff was going to be the franchise guy. I think it was more of uh, they thought he was going to be a nice stopgap until they could find the guy. And so that's, it's kind of what Jared Goff is. I know he's a little bit younger, but that's kind of what he is already as a, a stopgap quarterback. So I think Detroit needs a quarterback. All right. I know this one's going to hurt you. The green Bay Packers. You would like to keep Aaron Rodgers. Does Aaron Rodgers want to stay with you? So in looking into your crystal ball, are the quarterbacks, are, are, are the Packers in need of a quarterback or what will they do with Aaron Rodgers and or Jordan Love? I I think it's a I think it's a run it back scenario. I think it's uh I think uh Rogers is not leaving. Um I was maybe fifty fifty on it before the season, but I think uh just with some of the press conferences, some of the things I've heard uh seen on Twitter, uh, I think all of it kind of lend it lends itself to uh to a Rogers return. So I I think that's where we're at. Um, so I'm going to say no. The Packers don't need a quarterback. But we'll is Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay uniform next season? Will one of their condition? Will one of his conditions be trade Jordan Love? Then does he want? Does no. he care if Jordan Love is sitting there creeping behind him? 
No, I don't think so. I think it was more about um, having to say in uh, personnel decisions and things of that nature. And I think um, they've given him that. And I'm not sure how much of that they've given him, but I think they've given him some of that. And they've shown a willingness to go out and get uh, to get the guys to win now to try and to try and do that. So um, I think uh, I think it was not a, all about Jordan Love. I think that was a very very small part in it. I think it was more about um, the handling of free agent decisions and and things of that nature and guys they let go. So uh, now that they're really giving. Uh, Rogers that kind of say that he should have maybe had before now, I think, I think there's definitely a way that uh, they coexist for another year at least. So I don't think a condition of that will be to trade, to trade Jordan love. I think uh, they'll keep Jordan love as well. All right. Two more here, same division. Two kind of similar but different situations. You've got the Seahawks and the 49ers. What do they do with Russell Wilson in Seattle? And what do the Niners do with their Jimmy G, Trey Lance situation? Or do both either of these teams go to the draft? I don't know why you would if you're the Niners, but what's your what's your foreshadowing for these two NFC West foes? Yeah, I think it's um, inevitable that Trey Lance will be the guy, and I think that needs to happen at some point this season. So I think in the second half or so this season, we're going to see Trey Lance named the starter and, and that's going to kind of force Jimmy G out. Um, Seattle, I know that they would probably like to keep Russell Wilson, but I don't think they, I don't think they can. I don't think Russell Wilson will, will want to stay in that situation. It may be, it may just be that he's just, he's just kind of tired. I mean, they've kind of reached their peak with him, I think, and he could find himself in a lot better situation somewhere else. So um, I think they'll be, they'll be moving on, but they, they probably won't be moving on via the draft. I think they'll be moving on via a stopgap quarterback, um, a Tyrod Taylor type, uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. So uh, one of those kinds of guys we'll see in Seattle. It's going to kind of maybe be a struggle for a little while in Seattle, I think. So we'll see how that develops. But I don't think Russell Wilson's going to be the quarterback, but I don't think they're going to go out and get their franchise answer. And your 49ers? 49ers are going to move to Trey Lance at some point. Is somebody going to take a shot on Jimmy G as their franchise quarterback? Uh, no, I think we've we've seen enough evidence to know that Jimmy G is just just an average starter. Um, that's that's just kind of what he is. So you don't mind it if he's your starter, but you also know that he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna lead you to the to the promised land. So um, it was really incredible that the Niners made a Super Bowl Jimmy G as their quarterback, but it was more in spite of Jimmy G than because of him. It was a, a really well-developed system, and I think he can do well in a really well-developed system. So he, he's just an average starter. He's not your franchise guy. So are you are you saying Jimmy Garoppolo is trending towards the Trent Dilfer status, that his future legacy? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I could see him in, you know, any number of places as a stopgap. So, um, yeah, yeah you, I mean, I could see him in Washington next year if Washington isn't able to find someone. I could see him in Denver, uh, Carolina, if they don't find anyone that they like in the draft, that kind of a thing. So I, I could see Jimmy G anywhere but San Francisco. You know, you've committed year. you've committed a lot of guys to the journeyman backup role, which kind of feels like if you're if it's going to happen for teams, this is the year to do it because there's not currently a tremendously deep free agent talent pool. It's not a reportedly great quarterback class. I don't know what we have in two years for quarterback class, but a lot of these guys who okay maybe your days as a starter are over, but kind of that Tarod Taylor type role could be a lot of guys finding them 
themselves in that situation where you can still be a starter. You'll still be a valuable backup. Look what the Jets had to do. Zach, pardon me, Zach Wilson goes down and they don't have a viable quarterback. So they go get Joe Flacco. So can carve out a nice long career. Think of like a Chase Daniel. When was the last time Chase Daniel started a game, but he's been in the league for 15 years. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's what a lot of guys who are starters will be. Uh, unfortunately for the teams that are quarterback needy, again, the rookie class not looking so hot. So I think for all these teams that are quarterback needy, they would be wise to build up the offensive line, to build up the weapons around a potential future quarterback to kind of follow that model. Now I know not all of them will because there will be plenty of teams that jump the gun on a quarterback, but uh, you're right. There's a lot of guys that are current starters that I don't think would truly be starters if there was more talent at the quarterback position. So to recap this, the, the teams you have told me for sure are getting new quarterbacks. We've got Washington, the Giants, the Steelers, the Panthers, the Texans, and the Dolphins. So a fewer than I expected, but you, you, were, you were patient with some of these teams and at least bringing back guys because it's not a super deep offseason. But those are the six I'm going to watch now. Those are going to be your, if you're a fan of those six teams, get ready for some hot young rookie quarterback to come in or Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, exactly. Or Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, or Jameis Winston, if he goes on the carousel, something like that. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, those kinds of guys on the carousel. Which isn't a bad spot to be. I'd take $3 million a year to be a backup quarterback. Absolutely. It's a, it's one of the best jobs in the NFL. Uh, you get to hold the clipboard. You don't have to do a whole lot. You don't get hit during practice. It's a, it's a wonderful job. Well, I want to talk a little bit here, changing gears abruptly, going over to the NBA season, which uh, as far as I can tell, the most the team has played is four games. Uh, most teams have played three as we're recording this. And I have absolutely no idea what's happening. I pulled up the standings today, and that's the extent of what I know about the current NBA season. So we'll, we'll go conference by conference here to keep some organization. Starting in the Eastern Conference, I see the Bulls are 4-0, which feels like a surprise. Detroit is 0-3, which doesn't feel like a surprise, but what's... What do we need to know for the first week of the Eastern Conference season, Mr. Basketball Obsessive? Well, uh, yeah, Basketball Obsessive is a way to put it. I mean, I've, I've got my league pass rocking. As we're recording this, I'm watching uh, Warriors OKC. OKC is in a battle with the Warriors right now, who are 3-0. Who are and o. But anyways, we'll, we'll stay on the Eastern Conference topic. The Bulls are 4-0. and o. And it does seem like a surprise. I knew that this Bulls team would be better. Um, I should have maybe looked at the schedule and predicted a 4-0 start for the Bulls. Two wins against the Pistons, one against the Pelicans without Zion, another against the Raptors, who I think is a team that's uh, not playoff bound in the Eastern Conference. So hasn't been against the strongest of competition, but credit to the Bulls for going out and uh, – going out and, and getting to 4-0, but uh, we'll we'll learn more about the Bulls as the month of October and November goes on. I looked at their schedule from now until November 22nd, and uh, every game that they play is against a team that I think is playoff bound. Uh, the Knicks, the Jazz, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Nets, the Mavs, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Knicks again. That's going to be a brutal 10 to 12 game stretch in there for the Bulls. If they come out of that 500, we'll, we'll be impressed with the Bulls. That would be a very impressive start. Um, the other thing is the Hornets are three and one and they really should be four and zero. They blew a late lead to the Celtics, and the Hornets uh, have looked like they leveled up. They were a very exciting team last year, but they have leveled up. Miles Bridges is having an incredible four games. He was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, twenty five points per game uh, so far this season, and he's uh, he's shooting the ball well from three and uh, having highlight dunks as well. And Lamelo. <laughs> Um, brings an exciting pace and exciting style as well. Um, 
I, I was reading a hot take article on the NBA, and uh, the hot take for the Hornets was uh, that they would have two All-Stars, and it'd be Miles Bridges and, and LaMelo Ball. And honestly, Bridges keeps playing the way that he is. He'll be on that All-Star team. So that's been a, a little bit of a surprise there. I didn't think that uh, the Hornets would be this high up. And they beat some good teams, too. It's It's not a fluke. So the Hornets look much better and much improved. And that's, that's really what you need to know about the Eastern conference there. So that's a, and then we've got all the usual suspects kind of hanging around the top. The Knicks look fun. The Knicks look deep as well. What's, what's going, who is wearing Tom Thibodeau's skin? Because the Knicks are currently, I believe the second highest scoring team basically tied with your Charlotte Hornets. That is not the Tom Thibodeau I know and love. I expect these games to be 88 to 92, and here they are averaging 121 points per game to start the year, giving up 113. This this is not the Thibodeau system I know. Yeah, well, it's been really interesting because I've watched at least a little bit of every Knicks game uh, this season, and what what they've done is kind of the evolution that the Jazz underwent last season. Last year, the Jazz shot the most threes in the NBA. This year so far, the Knicks are either number one or number two in three-pointers attempted. So what they did is they really reviewed the situations from last season where they were shooting a lot of inefficient long twos and decided that they were going to turn those into three-point shots instead. And they're hitting on some of those. So guys like guys like Derek Rose are, are attempting multiple three-pointers per game. Uh, they're really emphasizing like the analytics of shooting threes. Now they're, they've gotten on board with that. Thibodeau got on board with that. He knew that he needed to evolve if this team was going to improve and possibly go to that next level. They were top four in the East last year, but got bounced in the playoffs. And and a lot of it was because they couldn't adapt to um, a system. They tried to play tough, grinded out games like you were talking about, but uh, they're, they're really going for broke when it comes to, to shooting uh, this season. So they're, they're attempting a lot of three pointers and they're getting good at it. So <laughs> Derek Rose is shooting three, three pointers per game. Fournier um, has really boosted the, uh, the three point shooting there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really fun brand of basketball to watch and starting out west do you want to start with the good or the bad mm, let's start with the with the bad uh are, are we gonna panic and say the sky is falling in la yet oh no we're, we're definitely not gonna panic um i knew that this team would take a little bit of time to gel um i didn't i definitely didn't think that uh, the lakers would be coming flying out of the gates trying to break any sort of, uh, you know, wins record in the NBA. They aren't going for 74 and eight. Um, that's not what this team is going to be built to do. They're, they're just going to try their best to get um, host a, a home playoff series in the first round, possibly the second round. Uh, but this team is going to look a lot better uh April through June than they are October through December. So it's going to be a little bit of a 500 back and forth. And then I think after the all-star break is when things are going to really maybe kick in uh, for the Lakers right around that all-star break, right after the all-star break, just a little bit of time that it takes to gel. Um, So I think, I think the Lakers will be just a okay. So. That's uh, there's there's no panic button, no reason to hit the panic button there at this time. And on the good side, if I if I've heard anything about the NBA so far this year, it's been about the Memphis Grizzlies. They're two and one, and who needs defense when you put up 123 points per game? They're the top scoring team in the league. I've heard people raving about John Morant so far. So if I know anything about this NBA season, it's been how good the Grizzlies have been. So. Are we, is it, is it too early to jump on the bandwagon with a two and one record? Yeah, it's a little too early to jump on the bandwagon. I mean, uh, John Morant has been absolutely sensational 
And I think he'll 100% make the uh, all-star team in the Western Conference, as well he should. He is an all-star caliber player in this league. And so I think this will be the first year that that he's in that. And I think this this team won't be in the play-in tournament. And that's what I can say. I'm not sure that they're going to maintain a pace where they're going to be like a three seed or, or a four seed even, but I think uh, the Grizzlies are definitely not a play. They don't have the look of a play in team, which is where they were last season. So um, that's good. And then the other good here, and I didn't really expect this team to be as good as they are. And that's a, that's golden state. Uh, I don't know if you really wanted to talk about them, but they've started out three and O they, they beat the Lakers. They beat, um, they beat the Clippers. They beat the Kings and the Kings actually look like a much improved team. Um, no, I'm, I'm 100% serious. This is the Kings thing every year for about a month. We all think the Kings are finally going to do it. And then reality sets in. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not going out on a limb and saying that they're going to be one of the top eight teams, but could they be battling for that last play-in spot? Yes. I I do think the Kings could be in the battle for that last play-in spot from what I've seen. I know it's a little bit early. We're three games into the season, but Hey, Harrison Barnes is shooting the light out lights out. So I got to give a shout out to Harrison Barnes. I mean, he's, He's shooting 50% from three, uh, roughly 50% from three, averaging 25 points per game. Uh, Harrison Barnes, not 25, sorry, excuse me, 28.3 points per game while shooting 55% from three. Not a sustainable pace for the rest of the year. And the other thing is, is that I think – this Kings team is going to make a trade at some point that's going to change the dynamic of the team. And I think that trade is going to center around De'Aaron Fox. Uh, So that's a little bit of a hot take there, but I think they can possibly move on from De'Aaron Fox. I don't think a Simmons trade is good. We'll see what goes down with the Wizards, but I think it'd be really interesting and perhaps entertaining if we got some sort of a Fox plus other assets for a Bradley Beal swap. Um, I'm not sure the Wizards would do that, but I know that that would make the Kings a whole heck of a lot more interesting because then they'd have a legit superstar and some nice pieces to go around it with uh, guys like uh, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, the rookie from Baylor, who's been sensational defensively. If his offensive game grows, the Kings are going to be good in the future. So um, they're going to be interesting. They're going to be interesting to watch. Uh, but the, but yeah, the Golden State Warriors have also been really good and very impressive to me. Three and zero, looks like they might be four and zero. We'll see. But uh, Jordan Poole, it looks like a candidate for Most Improved Player this year. Um, so does Anthony Edwards. I believe that was my guy preseason. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jordan Poole looks much better. Um, and they're going to get Clay Thompson back at some point, and that's going to make them an even scarier team, I think. I'm, I'm not. I don't think they're going to end up as the number one team in the West, but they also won't be in the play-in game like they were last year. So in the play-in tournament, so they're definitely a notch or two above a play-in team. But I don't think they're the number one team in the West, which is where they are right now. Are you playing a drinking game with yourself where every time you say Harrison Barnes, somebody out there has to take a shot? Uh, no, but uh, I hope no one listening to this podcast is doing that because <laughs> I probably have killed someone by now. Yeah. It's kind of like the Jay Billis wingspan, me with Harrison Barnes. But uh, I love 
I mean, I love Harrison Barnes. I mean, how could you not? Uh, a guy from Iowa making it big in the NBA. Um, I love to see it. So I supported Kyle Korver for his whole career because he was from Iowa. I'll support Harrison Barnes, even if he is from Ames. So, Well, that's our in-depth NBA segment here for your, your first week NBA season recap. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to do a quick uh, – I'm going to help you win some money for your holiday parties. You're going out Saturday night. You're wearing a costume. You want to make some want to make some money betting. You want to make some money for the, the trick-or-treat candy you need to buy on Sunday because you forgot to get it before now. Oh, quick side note. Andrew, could you explain the stupid, stupid Halloween tradition in the area of the country where you live? Oh, beggar's night? Dumb. The dumbest thing. Yes, beggar's night. What do you got against beggar's night? What's wrong with Halloween? Why can't we just have Halloween and do Halloween on Halloween? Why do we have to make up a fake extra night? Well, why not? I mean, it's fun for the kids. Uh, Beggar's night, the kids get candy, just like Halloween. I don't see a problem with it. I mean, maybe it's because I've lived in Iowa my whole life. I don't know anything other than Beggar's night. But, uh, man, I, I didn't expect a, a personal attack on Beggar's night here. Man, I, I, I never understood it because it was not a thing where I grew up. And then I'm in central Iowa, and there are all these people are running around on October 30th. I'm thinking what's happening and they said oh in central iowa we don't trick-or-treat on halloween we do beggars night the day before and i didn't i've been anti-beggars night ever since wow uh yeah i've only ever known beggars night so no. um anyway yeah i'm gonna anyway. i'm gonna help you win some i'm gonna help you win some money on beggars night with your ufc fight so it, even if you're a peripheral combat sports fan mma fan UFC 267, if you can find it somewhere, roll up to a B-dubs or some kind of restaurant like that and watch this fight. It is a phenomenal main card, uh, kind of the top fight. So you have the light heavyweight title, Jan Blachowicz versus Glover Teixeira. Uh, I like Glover Teixeira, a guy who feels like he's been around forever. But Jan Blachowicz is the reigning champion. When he disposed of Israel Adesanya, I became a believer. I didn't know much about him then, didn't think he was quite on that level. But he easily took care of Israel Adesani, who I think is one of the three best in the world. So give me Jan Blahovic, probably a heavy favorite, but give me him to win the light heavyweight title or retain his light heavyweight title. The interim bantamweight uh, fight is interesting. You have Piotr Jan, who was the champion, lost it to Aljamain Sterling in a pretty controversial fashion. Not that I look it up. I, I cannot properly explain it here in the time we have. But Piotr Jan is going to face Corey Sandhagen for the interim bantamweight title and give me Jan on this one guy who probably should never have lost the title. Aljamain Sterling was supposed to defend the belt in this fight, but he had to drop out. So you're getting Corey Sandhagen, who's going to come in on, I think, less than two months preparation time. A great fighter, a really likable guy. I think has a lot of fans in the UFC, but Jan is just, I think, head and shoulders above the entire division at this point. A late heavyweight fight. This is the one to watch. Islam Makachev versus Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, another late replacement here. But Makachev is basically the heir apparent for Habib. I believe they were childhood friends, and uh, Makachev has been the guy kind of hand-picked and hand-trained to be his heir apparent. So he's tearing through the division right now. Watch for him to get through this one. Uh, Dan Hooker, just a, kind of one of those great, gritty guys who always pops up in a fight. You want you want somebody to fight, throw Dan Hooker in there. He'll pop up and give you a show. The heavyweight bout, uh, Alexander Volkov and Marcin Tybura. Uh, give me Alexander Volkov on that one. I really have no good reason for it. I was looking at these two guys today. I could see it being very 50-50. It just seems like a fight that uh, either guy catches the other guy, boom, lights out, quick finish. So this this could be a 10-second fight or a 15-minute slobber knocker. Either way, it's going to be a great fight, but give me Volkov. And then the other one, a light heavyweight fight, uh, Magomed Ankalev. Again, anytime we get in these UFC cards, uh, forgive me for the name mispronunciation as much as I like watching the fights. I don't know the fighters and their names as well. But he's fighting uh, Volkan Ozdemir. Guy's had pretty rough go of it lately. Lost a couple tough fights. But give me Ankalev to win that light heavyweight bout on the main card. A couple other fights if you want to go check them out. But I think a, a phenomenal card, especially those top three fights, are going to be fantastic, including one title belt, one interim title belt, and what I suspect will be a phenomenal showcase of all things MMA. So, I don't know if do you ever watch UFC? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Yeah, I actually uh about a year and a half ago, I actually got into uh UFC a little bit. 
Um, I remember that Sterling Yawn fight and the controversial Indian there. I can't remember the exact details. Won't go too far into it, but you're right. I did feel like Pierre Yawn won that. And uh, Makachev, I've seen him fight a couple times, and you're right. He is the heir, heir apparent to Khabib. And uh, I, I didn't know the card for this upcoming weekend because, uh, yeah, I just have fallen out of it recently. But you you talked about uh, Jan Blahovic and uh, Israel Adesanya. Uh, wasn't Adesanya fight, fighting up in that fight? Wasn't he up a weight class yeah, for so that Adesanya, fight? Yeah. He usually fights at 185 and Blahovic is 205, but they got Asanio yeah. was trying to do the uh, let's cross divisions mega fight get a couple belts. I don't he didn't even really bulk up that much. I think I think Blahovic right. had a pretty good size advantage. Yeah, exactly. Asanio didn't bulk up um, for that fight at all, which uh, maybe in retrospect might have been a little bit of a mistake. Um, but I uh, I think uh, you're right. Jan Blahovic is uh, one of the best fighters. I don't know too much about Teixeira. I haven't seen Teixeira. Um, that sounds like an incredible card. So I might actually be pulling up to a B dubs this weekend and, uh, taking your picks. Uh, I'm, I'm sad. We don't have a heavyweight fight. Uh, I've kind of adopted Derek Lewis as one of my favorite fighters in the heavyweight division there. I really like Derek Lewis. Uh, and I really like, uh, sugar Sean O'Malley. I know that might make me hated by you. No, I, I like Sean O'Malley. He's like, he's kind of like Dan Hooker, where every time you look at a card, like, didn't this guy just fight? But, yeah, fights like three or four times a year. Yeah, he brought up the name Dan Hooker. And I'm like, yeah, doesn't he fight every every Saturday right. night that the UFC is on? <laughs> like, Dan Dan Hooker is just there every Saturday night. So, you're, you're right. Um, Going to be an incredible card, and we'll probably, uh, probably try to catch some of it if I can. So, yeah. I'm going to try to sneak a beer somewhere while I can and watch a couple of those fights. But we thank you all for joining us. Episode 32 in the books. We'll be back next Thursday night. Not sure what we're going to talk about. Not sure who we're going to have on the show, but excited to be there for episode 33. Your first episode of November is crazy as that feels to say. And happy Halloween, everybody. Happy beggars night. If you're one of those people living in central Iowa, uh, enjoy the, enjoy the holiday weekend. It is my favorite holiday of the year. So I will be out and about enjoying every minute of it.
Hello. All right, let's not waste any time. Let's get into this thing. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 32 